Hi, Carrie here again. This is becoming a habit. Um, the purpose of this channel, as I have stated, number one is to help you make better investment decisions. And I attempt to do that as I attempt to make better investment decisions. And recently, I made an investment decision that most of you have recognized was a bad decision, at least on the short term. And that was, I liquidated my holdings in Tesla. And I did it because I'm not comfortable with 25% of their sales coming out of China, and I'm not comfortable owning any stocks in China under the current situation. And from my readings of China, that their number one goal is to become the largest economic, military, and political power in the world. And they have openly stated that the growth of their country is not going to come from the United States. The growth of their country is going to come from India and Africa and the third world countries where they don't have two cars in every garage. And so they see us as a consumer economy that is dependent upon them for the, our, their, the, the things that we need. And that has become just apparent as a result of the coronavirus. So when I picked up the paper, uh, the, the Wall Street Journal this morning, and I saw an article that basically said that Adidas sales have dropped in second quarter 15%, and in third quarter another 13%, all as a result of China's boycott on their products, as a result of some statements that they and some other uh, retail organizations, such as Nike and H&M, have said about their uh, labor practices in one of their provenance relative to, uh, to uh, cotton. So I see this and I say, would I want to function as a business in an atmosphere where the, the, the national effort will boycott my product and has openly said that we would prefer that our people buy our own products as opposed to products made by foreigners in our country. Now, would, would that rustle my feathers if I did business and, and depended upon the Communist Party and the, the Communist Chinese government for the future of my company? No, I would not feel comfortable about that. And I would look for equivalent opportunities elf, elsewhere where the risk doesn't exist. And what I truly fear in this is, and, and again, I'm 77 years old, I've been down this road, I've fallen in love before, and I've recognized that sometimes when you fall in love, you ignore the obvious, the risk that you're taking on. And I think that's what some of you have done with Tesla. Now again, beat me up. I, I, I sold it at about $775, and you know what it's worth today. But I think it's important that you go into this with open eyes. And so that's why I want to share with you today what I learned in this article and the further research that I've done that I have found what the situation really is over there and what their motives are and how it might not be 
the best of investment decisions that you have made and that you are making, and then you make the decision. Are you comfortable with it? Are you comfortable with the risk? If you don't understand this, the life is about risk and reward. If the reward is great and the risk is great, it may be better than what it looks, or it may, be, may, may not be what it looks like. So we'll get deeper into that, and I'll share with me, you my feelings on Tesla, my feelings on uh, Adidas and Nike, and we'll see if we're making a good financial decision. I'll be right back. Best of Us Investors presents Kerry Griegmeier. Okay, one thing I want to get out of the way. For the, I, I had an, a comment on one of my um, videos that, Carrie, I'd like to get a hold of you. Uh, I, I'd like to do some estate planning. I do that over on my other channel, uh, and that's Best of Us in Retirement. So if you have some retirement issues, 401ks, IRAs, go to Best of Us uh, in retirement. So let's get back to risk and reward, uh, how that pretty girl that has just been anything and everything to you called Tesla uh, might be making, might put be ha having you in a, pos a position of jeopardy. Understand again that 22% uh, of their third quarter sales came from China. That's kind of comparable to what Adidas said their situation was. Now, Adidas, on the other hand, has made a commitment that they are going to be a major sponsor of the, um, the Beijing Winter Games, and they're, they're throwing a lot of money at it, and now uh, they're openly boycotting Adidas's products as well as um, Nike's and and some other uh, apparel people and 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 the as they are boycotting them and and that boycott is coming from various levels of the Chinese or C Communist Party. Um, they are saying, folks, we have just as good a products as Adidas and Nike, H and M. Because, folks, they're made here. We can make the same product and put our label on it and keep the money in our land. Okay, that gives you some, some idea of what's going on. Now, what I think then I want you to recognize is they don't play fair. <laughs> they don't play fair. Uh, they have recognized that we're saying, hey, you people aren't treating some of your people right who pick your cotton. And then they're saying, wait a second, you had a problem in Mississippi with your cotton picking. And let me show you what they're doing. The Chinese government has been using different ways to push back against Western retail brands like H&M and Nike that have expressed concern about forced labor of Uyghurs in Xinjiang and stopped using cotton produced in the region. Western brands have found themselves at risk of losing out in China, one of the most important markets in the world. Here's how Beijing is pushing forward its Xinjiang narrative and what it gains from this at home and abroad. We asked a Taipei-based research group called DoubleThink Lab to help us kind of trace back how it all started on Weibo. People often compare it to Twitter. 
One of the first posts about H&M and forced labor it was like three minutes to midnight on Tuesday. And it was this account that self-identified as like a foodie and history blogger. The next morning when the Communist Youth League posted um, their own message, Double Think Lab, like their researchers basically said, you know, when the Communist Youth League put out that message, I kind of signaled the political correctness of this campaign in the domestic market or the domestic audience. What's really powerful is this idea of China not backing down or giving in to Western forces. But for foreign audiences or international audiences, it's not just about hitting back, um, but also kind of putting out more images that will maybe sow doubt. And on Facebook, uh, Chinese state media is quite active. Majid says picking cotton is a well-paid job. On Twitter, the Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson sent out a tweet and it said 1908 in Mississippi, 2015 in Xinjiang. And it showed a, a photo of you know black laborers in a plantation picking cotton. And then on the other side, there's an image of like smiling or laughing Uyghurs holding like a bag of cotton. There's been a lot of efforts to criticize the U.S.'s moral standing. Obviously, the U.S. has a history of slavery, and especially related to cotton. Okay, you own a company that is dependent for 25% of your revenue in China, and they are throwing stones at your country like that. Now, everything they said is true, but is that fair play? Is, is, that, is that something that, what, let, let me put it this way. What if, what if we did the same thing? How many, how many ads have you seen on national TV uh, to boycott a Chinese product? How, how often have you seen that? I don't, I can't recall it. I, I know that if I read deep, I, I find out that they're, they're in one province, they, they kind of discriminate against a certain race of people. But this is business. And we are the largest trading partner with China. And it all goes one way. At least our trade deficit is somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 million dollars, we buy more from them than they buy from us. And, and, it's, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. And we just kind of sit on our hands and say, well, we'll work through that. We'll get it done. No. They recognize that you have two cars in your garage and at least six TVs in your house. Well, you aren't going to buy any more unless, of course, the American technology makes them better in some way, which they will, but they're going to be made in China. And China doesn't need us. And even if they, even if they boycott and even if we say, well, stop that, we aren't going to put up with that, they're going to say, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? You're going to punish us? You're going to put boycotts against us? Well, then we just won't send you any, any tennis shoes. And we won't send you any semiconductors. What are you going to do about it? Well, that's where we are. So I guess 
my rant is all about. If you're comfortable in that arena, in that ballpark, with their rules, then you keep your Tesla. You keep it. My point is, in when Henry Ford opened that door and put those that assembly line out in 20 in 1913, Henry was the only game in town. He could sell every Model T he made for whatever price he wanted to put on it. By but by 1920, seven years later, there were 1,900 manufacturers of automobiles in the United States. Today, uh, there are two, Ford and General Motors, and they don't make any money. And they're union shops. Their hands are tied. So, yes, Tesla is getting a premium price on their vehicle. And and, but they don't have any competition. So m be aware of that and understand, I understand, they are a technology company. They have technology far beyond the capabilities of most of the other automobile manufacturers. But just look at this, this new uh, IPO the other day that, that's going crazy. The competition, and it's backed by Amazon. Um, and, and then Apple is going to come out with its own car. So be aware of what you own and be aware of that pretty girl that you fell in love with and just does every kind of thing that you need done to make yourself happy. It may go away. And that works for that pretty boy too, by the way, um, just don't get romanced into this and be blind by what's happening, okay? Uh, they make the rules in the China ballpark, and, and we are dependent upon them. We, 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 have to be re, we have to move manufacturing back here. Read The Accidental Superpower, and, and you will learn that we became the superpower of this world became, because we became the manufacturer for this world. Uh, uh, Europe was devastated. They had no manufacturing after World War II. The United States stepped up and said, we'll make everything that you want. And we became the world superpower. Well, that was in 1945. It's now 2021. Who is the manufacturer of the world? Who is dictating the price of products? Who is dictating whether you get semiconductors, whether you get respirators, whether you get masks, whether you get toilet paper? Talk to you again tomorrow.